in a few moments, we're going to open our jacuzzi. Uh, over on the left, I'm joking. I'm joking. We're going to open our baptism there, baptism tank, and we're going to baptize these six amazing people this morning. But just before we do that, I want to explain to you what baptism is and what it isn't. Okay, the word baptism comes uh, from the Bible, from a Greek word, baptizo, which when the Bible was translated from Greek into English, they didn't translate the word, they what they call transliterated it. In other words, they took it from its Greek uh, context and just shifted it over to English. So in its original understanding, the word baptism means to wash, to dip, to submerge, or to cleanse. So when that became an English word, it means exactly the same thing. So if you want to follow Jesus, you need to take a bath. Basically, is what it really means. It is about washing, dipping, submerging, and cleansing. But in the Jewish faith, in the Old Testament, okay, you were born a Jew, as in cultural. That was your identity. But you're also born into Judaism. If you were outside of that, if you were what's called a Gentile, and you wanted to become part of the Jewish faith, you would have to go through a whole load of ceremonies, including baptism, also including circumcision. But I'm so grateful to God that not everything lasts the distance, okay? So baptism does, but circumcision doesn't. Thank you, Jesus. So um, so if you wanted to become a follower of God in the religion of Judaism, you would be baptized, okay? You would be washed, dipped, submerged, or cleansed, and um, you would do that yourself, actually. But then in the New Testament, this guy came along called John, and he starts baptizing people. He was called John the Baptist. You may have heard his name. And he starts baptizing people. And then all of a sudden, one day, in the line waiting to be baptized was Jesus. And this becomes Jesus's defining moment. It's the start of when he goes public with who he is. For 30 years, he's been away in obscurity, uh, in a carpenter's shop. But all of a sudden, on that day, when he lines up with everyone else to be baptized by John the Baptist, he goes public. It's not only his defining moment, it's a defining moment for every single one of us. And I'll explain that in a moment. So this is what happens from the Bible. I'm going to read it to you. The words will come up on the screen. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. I can't guarantee that for all of you this morning, okay, who are being baptized. But at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus' view of baptism was it was very important for three reasons. It is a public demonstration of an inward decision. It is a public declaration of a new association. And it's a public announcement of a new way of living. The old is gone, the new has come. And before we just look briefly at why this was such a defining moment for Jesus and for us, I want to talk to those of you who are getting baptized this morning, okay? If you're all still in here, you're not half changing, you're in here. And I want to declare a little bit to you and to everyone else what you're not declaring today by getting baptized and what you are declaring. So these guys being baptized are not declaring, and some of you as parents might need to hear this, they are not declaring that they are now perfect, all right? They are not declaring that they will never make a mistake, that they will never irritate you or annoy you, that they will never slip up, that they will never have any doubts in their faith. That's not what they're declaring. They are not the finished article. This is not the end of our spiritual journey. In many ways, this is a beginning. 
Okay, and those of us that have been baptized, we understand that, don't we? So they're not declaring that. But what they are declaring is this, that they have made that inward decision. They have made that inward decision to follow Jesus. It's not the act of baptism that saves them, but the act symbolizes how they were saved, how they were redeemed. It symbolizes that they went into the water and that's like washing away their old life. And then as they come up, that's like an embracing of the new life that Jesus has given them by his spirit. So they've made that inward decision. But secondly, they're declaring to you and to God this morning that they want that new association, that they want to nail their colors to the mask and they want to say, I'm a follower of Jesus. And I love this little, this little quote here. This is what happens, you see. Um, baptism separates, um, it separates the tire kickers from the car buyers. If you've ever been to a showroom, all right, and some of the, somebody are laughing at that here. If you've ever been there, you'll know that people, maybe it's a man thing of a certain age, will often go around and kick the tires. Anyone ever done that? Let's be honest. Come on. This baptism separates tire kickers from car buyers. Those who are just looking and checking it out to those who are going to buy the deal, those who are going to go the whole way. Can you imagine being married and your husband or your wife saying, yes, we are married, but let's not tell anyone about it. Let's keep it secret. You think that's a little bit weird. And baptism is that new announcement of a new association that you now associate yourself with following Jesus. They're declaring, I'm going to follow Jesus. And Andy, our youth pastor, told me recently about Bishop Sentamu. Some of you will know Bishop Sentamu. He's an African um, bishop, really great character, very charismatic, larger-than-life character. And once when he was going through an airport, he went through customs. And at customs, you know, there's that nothing to declare. And he walked through nothing to declare. And he said to the customs, God, I have something to declare. Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a little bit of a strange look on their faces when he declared that. But that's what these guys are doing. They are declaring that they are not perfect, but they're going to follow Jesus. And thirdly, they are declaring to you and to God that they're going to try to live that new life. Not through their own effort, but by the work of the Spirit of Jesus within them. So that's what they're doing this morning. But why did Jesus himself get baptized? And what does that mean for every single one of us today? Why is the baptism of Jesus, easy for you to say, why is that such a defining moment for him and for us? I want to suggest, you know, many people would say, if I was to ask you a question, if you're a churchgoer, what was the first miracle Jesus did? What would you say? Water and the wine. That's the classic understanding, and of course it's true. But I want to suggest, I think, that the baptism of Jesus is also miraculous. Because Jesus stands in line with all these people wanting to get baptized. And that was a sign that they wanted to turn away from their old life. And with all of the sin and the stuff that separates them from God. And they wanted to go God's way. And yet Jesus stands in the line with them. The Bible says he was without sin. He was the only man or woman ever on planet earth who's ever lived a perfect life. So why would he do that? And I want to say just three things, I think. Firstly, he did that because he didn't come to stand above us. He came to stand alongside us. You see, he does stand above us because of who he is. But by identifying in that line with those other people, he was showing you and I 2,000 years later that God doesn't come to stand above us. He comes to stand alongside us. I want you to imagine in that line 
you know, that day, that there would have, if you could imagine maybe a piece of paper stuck to the back of every person in that line to be baptized by John, with one word that described, you know, the, the thing that they did that was the, the, the big thing that separated them from God. Maybe there'd have been a, maybe even a murderer or a thief or a rapist or a gossip or a liar or a cheat or someone who was greedy or unkind and all these things that you and I have in our lives as well. And yet on the back of Jesus, there would have been nothing. And yet he identifies with these people because he wants you and I to know that as God, he hasn't come to planet, on, uh, planet Earth to stand above us. He comes to stand alongside us. And I absolutely love that. It's mind-blowing. Secondly, he didn't come to rub it in. He came to rub it out. He didn't come to make us feel worse about the bad stuff in our life. He came to take it away. You know, and he does that through the power of forgiveness. At the first service, some of the stories there were very much on the forgiveness issues, on things that they'd done in their lives. There's prison mixed up in that story. There was drugs mixed up in those stories. There's all kinds of issues mixed up in those stories. And yet they've experienced that Jesus doesn't come to rub it in. He comes to rub it out. Psychiatrists once said that if patients could learn to forgive themselves, 75% of their patients would walk out of the hospital. Man's biggest need and God's highest achievement is forgiveness. That's why this is such a defining moment. And finally, he didn't come just to talk the talk. He came to walk the walk. You see, Jesus didn't just come to talk about who he was and what he could do. He actually went and did it. And so three years later, he takes upon himself all of the stuff that separates you and I from God. He takes it onto himself to the cross and he lives and he dies and he comes back again to show that he has the power to forgive. He has the power to rub it out. He doesn't just come to talk about it. He comes to do it. And then John goes on in John chapter 1 from the message translation to say this. The very next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and yelled out, Here he is, God's Passover lamb. He forgives the sins of the world. This is the man I've been talking about. The one who comes after me, but is really ahead of me. I knew nothing about who he was, only this. That my task has been to get Israel ready to recognize him as the God revealer. That is why I came here, baptizing with water, giving you a good bath and scrubbing sins from your life. So that you can get a fresh start with God. You know, I love this story because... The fact that the father speaks from heaven over his son and he says, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. That was before Jesus ever did a thing. He never preached a message, never healed anyone, never did a miracle. And God says, you don't have to do anything to receive my love. And for those of you getting baptized, I want you to know that's still the truth truth for you today. You don't have to now, having come to faith through faith in Jesus, now have to work your way through it. You still need to know God loves you, not because of what you do, but because of who you are and the decision you've made to follow him. And so as we kind of come towards this moment, I want to ask you to have a think about this whole idea that Jesus came to stand alongside us. Didn't come to rub it in, but to rub it out. Didn't just talk about it. He did it through his life and through his actions. A guy called Max Licado said this, God dispenses his goodness, not with an eyedropper, but with a fire hose. Your heart is an egg cup and his grace is the Mediterranean Sea. You simply can't contain it all. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask the band to come back. We're going to sing another song together as we get ready uh, with the jacuzzi over here and as people go and change, etc. And then we baptize these six amazing people. I want to say to those of you who have been baptized, this is your defining moment to declare who you are and who you follow. So enjoy it, but also don't forget it. 
Because life can still get tough spiritually after this moment. After Jesus' baptism, he then went into the desert and he was tempted by the devil. So honestly, most people will tell you that when they're baptized, the weeks after it can be tough. All right? It really can. So don't forget this moment. And when you're tempted to think, oh, it was just emotion. Maybe it wasn't real. You remember the reality of this moment. That's so important. To those of you who've already done this, you've been baptized, you've already made this commitment, be thankful to God and remind yourself of your declarations that you made all those months or years ago. And those of you who have not made the decision, those of you who say, hey, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you to think about something. Why not at least check it out? What have you got to lose if it's not true or it's not real for you? What have you got to lose? Maybe come back. Maybe come back to the Christmas event. Maybe check out Alpha in the new year. Many of the people, in fact, the three who were, who were baptized at the first service all came here, not as believers, not as followers of Jesus, but went on Alpha and became followers later on. And if you check it out, after eight or nine weeks, if it's not for you, you've lost nothing apart from eight or nine Monday nights and you've had your tea cooked for you every week. That's all you've lost. But if it might be true, at least check it out you might find out that you also could know what it is to be redeemed. We're going to stand together. And we're going to sing an incredible hymn, which has been sung for hundreds of years by people all around the world. And as we sing this hymn, we're going to get ready. And then in a moment, Simon's going to come and lead us through the baptism. Let's sing. And if you know that this is true, I want to encourage you, sing it with all your strength and with all your might. Thank you.